With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, boys and girls, to the South End Zone podcast. I'm your host, Eric Mulher, tonight, and with me, as always, uh, here for our Sunday evening college football recap is my man Jason Bailey. Jason, you hanging in there okay? You're you're uh, you're you're active, but you're a limited participant. Today. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm off the pup list, but uh, barely. You know, I'm, but it's been a, a rough 24 hours or so. Uh, not only in the picks department, which we'll get to, but yeah, a little under the weather, um, so not great, Bob. But mm. it's all right, man. We're gonna we're gonna power through this thing and uh, talk a little ball. And uh, I think it was an interesting weekend, man. It was a lot of good games. There were a lot of good games. Um, and let's talk about those good games. We'll get some of the stinkers out of the way, which. Uh, you know, I hate to be that guy and say it out loud, but on your list, there were a number. Of oh, yeah. I went, um, what did I go? One and six this week, I believe. Uh, one, oh, and, oh, and three in the bullpen. Two, three, four. Yeah, I got you at one and six, oh, and three. Yeah, one and nine total. Uh, that's uh, mark that down as the worst week of picks that I've had in the history of the show. Yeah. It was it was a rough one. Uh, yeah. So you went to the well with Liberty. Uh, you're laying 18 and a half versus Sam Houston State, who I think to date had scored one touchdown coming into the game. But uh, two. Yeah, two. two. Okay. But Liberty. That, I mean, did you watch this? Oh, yeah, I watched it. They fucking should have lost. Like Sam Houston had a chance to win it. Like as as time was running out, they were like, mm-hmm. you know, they had a fourth down play, like fourth and goal, to try to get down there and win the game, and they just couldn't. And they, yeah, you know, like Liberty stopped them, but uh, screwed around with them the whole game. It was a bad pick. I, what I should have done was rode Jacksonville State again because they reeled off thirty eight unanswered points after right. being down three scores and one. But uh, you know, we talked about that. Like I debated on Jacksonville State, but that. Middle Tennessee State scared me, and then they went up twenty three to seven, and I was like, "Oh, well, good thing I didn't do that." Yeah, yeah, and, I dodged a bullet. Yeah, and then they scored thirty eight straight points and ended up winning and covering easily. So mm. that's what I should have taken. But Liberty just, like a lot of teams this year, man, just 
just kind of fucking slept walk through the whole game and squeaked out a win at home against an inferior opponent. It was ugly. Yeah. Spe- well, we'll get to uh sleepwalking inferior opponent at home uh, in a little bit. Uh, that may be the, the majority of this discussion tonight, but so Liberty wins by five. Uh, they do get the win, but they don't cover. You laid a point and a half with Baylor. They lost big. Uh, I think they lost by four scores, three scores. Yeah, I think it was 33 to 17 or something, but that yeah. uh, like seven of those were garbage time. That was never a game. Uh, Tech jumped out on them 17 to nothing early. And yeah. it was, they just, they put them away early and put their foot on their throat. And it was a bad yeah. pick for minute one, man. I, I would say Dave Aranda's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that was going to be my follow on question is uh, it's starting to feel like Dave Aranda is a guy we might be talking about this summer. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, if he, I don't know that he gets fired this year, but if he, well, I'm saying going into next season, like they're clearly not going to have a great year and yeah, they weren't fantastic last year. I could see where he enters next season with, you know, kind of a prove it deal, but yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, he kind of caught lightning in a bottle there in his second year and ended up winning the big 12 and it's been all downhill since then. So, mm. Uh, Mississippi State, where they were 20 and a half point favorites against Western Michigan, you laid those points and they win by 13. Yeah, another another team just screwing around at home with an inferior opponent, letting them screwing around, letting them score 28 points. And it wasn't all in garbage time, like Western Michigan hung with them for most of the game. So, yeah, they were, it wasn't, uh, they kind of went back and forth, you know, seven, 10, 13 points. They were, yeah. they trailed the whole way, but they were never like out, out of it. So, yeah, it, it's not an encouraging performance. If you're a Mississippi state fan, like coming off the loss to Bama, you would expect a big bounce back and a blowout of a team like that. And there's, they didn't do it, man. They, just, you know, came yeah. out. And gave I mean, a, they, they oh. won handily. I don't know that they were ever in any real danger of losing, but it just no. it still was not impressive. So, no. Um, another team that arguably struggled with an inferior opponent at home, Ohio State. They get a thirty-seven. They pull away uh, in the second half. They win thirty-seven seventeen against Maryland. You were on the over fifty-eight and a half. Fell just short of that. And another over yeah. you were on was UCLA and Wazoo at fifty-nine and a half. Kind of a surprising score there, twenty-five to seventeen. But I've been looking at UCLA this afternoon because I haven't really paid a ton of attention to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably have a top ten defense. Believe it or not. Like I do, I do believe it. I've watched them a little bit. You know, I've caught some highlights here and there, and caught parts of some of their games. And they they've got some dudes on the defensive line that can go. Uh, it, you know, and and in make terms it, of and make it home to the quarterback. Like they yeah, in, in terms of go. you know uh, pass rush, uh, mm-hmm. turnover numbers, point or yards per play, points per game. They're much higher than I would have guessed. I haven't paid them a ton of attention because I normally avoid Chip Kelly games, but yeah, they might I, be worth looking I at. It, I think it's an impressive win, man. Washington State's offense is no slouch, you know, not just because of Cam Ward, but they can run the ball. You know, they can do a lot of things to keep you off balance. And UCLA pretty much just 
answered the bell in every way possible and their defense played well and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of points scored on either side so i missed that one and as for the maryland ohio state game you know ohio state screwed around with them for the whole first half but pulled away in the second and then just ran the ball as you know we got towards the end they just started running the ball and putting them away and i sort of knew i was in trouble there i was like they're just gonna ice this thing and that's what happened so they score one they score one more touchdown i think i predicted 42 to 17 it was 37 17 so what are you gonna do six points short there one more td would have got me there yeah ohio state's offensive line still worries me in terms of their uh, season oh, yeah. at large outlook. Oh, yeah. But uh, last one you missed before you get to the bullpen picks. Uh, and in fact, I was on this one as well. We talked about this uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night, whichever night it was. And this was a bad. This was a bad beat. It w- kind of was. Um, yeah, I jumped on this late, and I probably should have left it alone. But Wisconsin minus thirteen versus Rutgers. They win yeah. twenty four to thirteen. Yeah. Rutgers uh, with the back the backdoor touchdown with a couple of yeah. minutes to go to for for a bad beat there. There was Wisconsin had the game in hand pretty much the entire game. I think it was seventeen to nothing at one point. Yeah, and, and, and they had opportunities to kind of salt it away and just really never distanced themselves and yep. left themselves open to the old backdoor cover. And then we get to maybe the best game of the weekend. The Red River game, you were on the over 60 and a half, and Dylan Gabriel's touchdown pass towards the end of that one sent you over. Yeah, uh, yeah. backdoor cover. OU wins a barn burner, 34 to 30. Wild game. Uh, boy, Texas has to be kicking themselves between the the red zone performance, which has, has been a thing for, I think back to watching the Kansas game, I was like, you know, they drilled Kansas, but it could have been so much worse. Like, oh, miss, yeah. miss a field goal, you know, turn it over on downs. They've struggled maybe more than people realize in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get a couple of goal line stands and three turnovers, I think they had. Uh, it was right there for them, and they sort of let it slip away. Yeah, you have a couple of red zone possessions in which both of them you're, you know, either inside the five or right at the five, and you come away with zero points from those two possessions. That hurts. And for Quinn Ewer's part, he had thrown one pick on the season, and he threw two picks in his first six attempts. So, you know, it's not like he played bad after that. I mean, he went 31 of 37. For 346. So, I mean, he had like 16 or 17 straight completions at one point. So, he's throwing the ball well. You know, Brooks ran the ball well. For all intents and purposes, there was a couple of things that stood out to me about this game. One of those being Dylan Gabriel rushing the ball. Like, he was their leading rusher. Had 113 yards on the ground and a score. Like, I'd... That's one aspect of the game that I did not see coming. And the other thing that stood out is we've been crushing Oklahoma for two years saying they can't tackle anybody. Well, it seems like they can tackle now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're light years better. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was watching the game, and me and you texted each other like, 
you were like, this is weird watching Oklahoma and Texas and seeing team two teams that can actually tackle. Yeah, like what planet am I on? Yeah. yeah. Now, now they still there was still a ton of offense. I mean, Texas yeah. outgained them by you know 40, 50 yards, uh, put up of over over five hundred. Oklahoma had almost five hundred, so sort of a laser show. But man, like a couple of guys we noted in the off season episode with uh, McQuistian, mm-hmm. uh, Farouk had a big game. You know, five grabs for a buck thirty. But oh man, just the the Dylan Gabriel rushing the ball sort of I think was the difference in the game. Yeah, because and some of it is you know converting a third down. It's kind of situational, right? Like when he got those yards and and what the context around those plays was. So, but yeah, that was a that was a good game. That was if I'm an Oklahoma fan, that's I probably have it TiVo'd and I might have watched it again this morning just to relive. But indeed, um. A game we're not going to want to relive, and we're getting into your bullpen picks now. Um, Notre Dame minus six and a half versus Louisville. I was kind of on the fence about this. I was close to taking Louisville and those points. But well, you talk about a beatdown. Yeah, that was it. Thirty-three twenty is the final, and watching the, I watched off and on probably two thirds of this game, and it really never felt like it was that you know, 33 to 20 close, like Louisville looked like this clearly the superior team for most of the parts I watched Notre Dame's offense. I'm still, I keep waiting for them to kind of turn the corner and, and be as good as I think they should. And it hasn't really a particularly passing offense. I, I had higher expectations for what they're going to be able to do with those athletes on the outside and Sam Hartman back there. Well, for the most part, it was a, a pretty good game up until the fourth quarter. I mean, when you look at the final score, you think, damn, that's a fucking beatdown. But really wasn't. It was just Louisville reeled off 16 unanswered in the fourth. And Notre Dame, for their part, they were down 13 to 17 at the start of the fourth. And Louisville just fucking put them away. But I think it's a little bit. You know, disconcerting, like it, there's some disconcerting signals here amongst this thing. Like I look at it and I just see one statistic that really stands out and tells me why I think Notre Dame lost. And that's that they turn the ball over five times. <laughs> you can't turn it over five times. I mean, Louisville didn't do anything spectacular. Plummer went for 145 and a touchdown. I mean, they, they're running back at a Big day, a couple of scores, buck forty on the ground, but you can't turn the ball over five times on the road and expect to win. You just can't. Cannot do it. Uh, another team that turned it over one too many times, Mizzou took the oh, point. Oh man, you took six and a half with Mizzou, and they that was uh, a heartbreaker. Another bad beat there. Yeah, that was. You were you at least had it covered uh, up until the very end. LSU takes pick six in when they had already taken the lead. Much like Ohio State's offensive line, uh, LSU's defense still, boy. They can't stop anybody. They just can't. I just don't understand how they're not good. Like, they have they have good players. Why can they not be a good unit? 
Well, I just I, th- I think it boils down to like their front is okay, but their secondary is trash. And so, why would you really run the ball when you know you can throw it? You know, <laughs> I mean, you might uh, rip off a big run here and there when they're in pass coverage. You mm-hmm. know, r- do some things and run some RPOs and things like that to keep them off balance and run the ball occasionally, but. If I was an LSU defensive player, I would expect pass every play because the secondary can't fucking cover anybody. Well, there's also some like schematic things too. Like you should never end up with a safety on Luther Burden. No, ever. No, no. I, I don't care if he's in the slot. I, I, I don't care. You, you, you know, it's just like we talked about last year in the the Tennessee Alabama game. Like. How many touchdowns does Jalen Hyatt have to score before you stop putting a safety over top of him? Yeah. You know, and it's uh, that, that type of deal. Burden had, I think, like 160 yards. Yeah, 90 of that was in the first quarter, I think. So yeah. Was, uh, so they can't they can't stop anybody. It was a shootout. I mean, for yeah. for Mizzou's part, they didn't stop anybody either. So true. That the, they were not all that impressive. Um so LFU, LSU kind of keeps hope alive um, as far as their SEC West chances. They do win. They do cover. But, boy, I still have questions about them. And then the last bullpen pick. I saved this one for last because I was on this also. This was not a bullpen pick for me. This was an actual pick. And it's not – I don't want to talk about the fact that we took Miami minus 20 and a half and that they did not cover. Uh, that yeah. okay, you take a big number like that. That's happened a lot. We've already that's gonna ident- happen, right? Yeah, that's we've just already we've already identified two picks of mine in which that happened this week. So it happens. Yeah, but boy, if I'm a Miami fan right now, like how <laughs> scale of one to ten, how disgusted should I be? Like 32, 34 <laughs> range. I was going to say, if it goes 1 to 10, it's an 11. It's, I think it's the worst coaching mistake since Les Miles clocking the ball with one second on the clock. I think it's worse than that. I I mean, I think it's debatable I think it, which one's worse for sure. No, but I don't think it is to be. I, I think because it, it's a complete breakdown of the and, – and you're talking about Les Miles with one play, right? And he – yes, he mismanaged the clock – uh, it, it kind of panicked and, and arguably didn't know the rule around that, where that really shouldn't even have been an option for him. But, you know, to run the ball twice when you don't need to. Um, and then on top of that, like, how do you, how do you let someone behind you on that last play? Like, why do you not have two safeties like you and you? Put put your heels on the goal line, right? Because the guy caught the ball at like the eleven, and he had three guys behind him. Yeah. Um. So for anyone who didn't catch it and has not been on the internet yet today, Miami led. Uh, and that's the other thing. That's why I think it's worse is because they led, right? Les Miles trying to go down and score to win the game. Miami yeah, had the game won. The game was over. Just knee it and it's over. They had to kneel it twice and the clock would have run out. George Tech is out of timeouts. They elect to run a play predictably. They fumble. The guy looked to me like he was down. 
Yeah, it was debatable, but it was ruled a fumble on the field, and it stood. You know, yeah, the play stood. It wasn't confirmed. They said now, the even then, so. even then, you should win. The other team has to go seventy-six yards in twenty-four seconds. No yeah. timeouts. Um, yeah. You should it's, be able to strategically place eleven mannequins on the field, <laughs> and and make that difficult for them. But it, the bottom know. line is, it's terrible in-game coaching and sadly enough this is not the first time this has happened to him no it's no, the it's second not. 2018 when he was at oregon he did the same thing you know he screwed up ran the ball they fumbled i think it was shane vereen maybe mm-hmm. shane vereen fumbles uh no it's uh Ver- i can't Ver- remember it started verdell Verdell, yeah, yeah, I said, I said Shane Vereen. My God, he's like West Virginia or Cal, but uh, yeah, but yeah, they so fumble with thirty seconds fumbled, left. Yeah, he fumbles, and then Stanford goes down and kicks a long field goal, and they win in overtime. Same thing, and so to me, I'm like, if you kind of if if you're gonna hire Cristobal, sort of what you get, you know, like you know he's gonna build up the talent especially on the lines of scrimmage, but he's a piss poor game manager. You know, it's, it's been, it's not just that one instance between Oregon and Stanford. There's been several blunders in this guy's career. So he's just a bad game manager, man. So you kind of take the good with the bad, but it's an absolutely just boneheaded, stupid ass mistake that is completely inexcusable. Neither the fucking ball and get out of there with a win. Yeah. Now you could also argue you shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. That's fair. You know, I mean, it's Georgia uh, it was, Tech, but it was ugly thinking, game. The weather was bad. The the quarterback did not play well. It was just a, yeah. a really not a very visually appealing game. It is pretty no. ugly, but you're still winning. But uh, they're 20, you, 20 to 17. I was thinking about this today. We, we see all these teams that get these big spreads and then they screw around with them. And I, I, I begin to wonder if this is like a transfer portal product because if you look at it, like if you look at Georgia Tech, yeah, you should stop them on that last play, whatever, but that's being run by a guy who, you know, not all that long ago was starting for Texas A&M. You know, he got offers from every major school in the country and he's playing at Georgia Tech now. And the guy who caught the touchdown pass transferred from Bama. <laughs> he, he runs like a 4-3-40. Just, he's a super ridiculous athlete. But, you know, had some problems. Couldn't crack the depth chart at Bama. He's a, kind of a little guy. But you just can't – there's no weeks off now. Like, you can't take a game off because these dudes on the other side may have been, like, super highly touted recruits at one point and people have forgot about them because they transferred mm. guys like Haynes King, you know, he's not a bad QB just couldn't stay healthy at A&M, you know, <sighs> brutal, brutal loss. And it's, yeah, I almost have to kind of wonder what their remaining schedule. Like if this is the loss that keeps Miami out of the ACC championship game, I'll laugh. Uh, oh my goodness. So, uh, they're at North Carolina 
next week. It'd be interesting to see how they respond from this up there because North Carolina is rolling. And then uh, Mario's going to try to get his first conference home win of his Miami tenure the following week when Clemson comes to town. So don't know if I like his chances, but <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, given given what North Carolina's doing to teams right now, I'm kind of at my doubts. So that that uh, was one of my losses. I, I missed that one. I also missed Wisconsin, like we talked about. Um, did not cover versus Rutgers. Let me just beat the shit out of my microphone here. Um, <laughs> my other loss was in the bullpen. Uh, thankfully, I kept it there. Georgia and Kentucky, I was on the under. Georgia went over by themselves. Uh, under 48 and a half was not a winner. Georgia actually got up to a much faster start offensively than they have at any point this year. So really kind of, I don't think Kentucky's built to play from behind very well uh, with their offensive scheme and what they're, what they're good at versus what they're not. So I, I think the less they are able to use Ray Davis and the more they have to rely on Devin Leary, um, not great for them. So Georgia wins big there. That was a miss for me. And then in the good news department, um, an under that did hit, never a doubt. I was never a doubt. I had it locked in the whole way. Was Alabama and Texas A and M under well, forty six and a half? To be fair, you would have been good with either one you were going to take because you were debating on taking Bama, you know, and laying the points with Bama yep. or taking the under. So you you would have been good either one there. You should have should have taken you a two for one special there. <laughs> Yeah, probably should have should have doubled up, but um, I think there would have been maybe a little less anxiety with Alabama minus the points because once they got that safety, I was like, oh well, here we go. Um, Yeah, yeah, you were on pace for a bad beat there, but uh, fortunately for you, they slowed it down and just before yeah before the safety, um, the uh, the touchdown that got called back. The, yes. the block kick that got called back on the on the absolute <sighs> bullshit, stupid blindside block rule. I mean, you can say it's within the rules to throw that flag, but I don't give a shit. If you're a referee and you throw that flag, you're a fucking weak motherfucker. That's what I think about that. And that's so a homer it, it, that's a homer take and call it what it is. I I, I hate the rule. I get why the rule exists. Um, yeah, I mean, if it, if okay, I just now, I think be, they went too far with. I think it's similar to the targeting. Like I, I understand why it's there. I understand what the intent is. Well, it, I'm all about knock, it. But he didn't even knock the guy down. He just like bumped him. I mean, if we're talking about a guy who absolutely fucking cleans the tight end's clock and just wipes him out, blindsides him, and knocks the shit out of him, then I'd have been like, eh, yeah, that was a dumb thing. You can, you can't do that. But all I did was like shoulder bump him. It didn't even knock him down. He just kind of, uh, and <laughs> this flag. I was just like, boy, there's some home cooking in that game, man. There's some ugly penalties. It was, uh, well, thankfully for me, they did throw that flag because Alabama ended up getting it, uh, I think 10 or 15 yards back from that spot of that foul. They end up punting, then get the Correct. safety. Yeah. Uh, so, Five points instead of seven went on the ledger uh, because they got that field goal late. But twenty six to twenty is a win, so I will at this point in the year I will take it. So what you're uh, saying is, is that referee was also on the under? 
he may have been. <laughs> that would make more sense to me than uh, call throwing that flag for a blindside block, but whatever. I don't. Uh, never underestimate. Don't always just assume you know, corruption. Uh, incompetence <laughs> is is always in Facts. play. Um, That's rampant. And that game, I mean, talking about it for just a second, the, I, I don't know this to be a fact. I would have to go back and look at this, but I would wager, I mean, I'm a better, I would wager that 23 yards rushing is the lowest total of Nick Saban's Alabama tenure in which he won the game. It's probably the lowest period. It could be. It very well could be. I'm not sure. I haven't. I mean, I, I'm sure they had some ugly games sorry, in in that first year before he really got it rolling. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Um. Still, 23. Uh, I, I would imagine, especially the style of ball they were playing back then. Yeah. I'd be shocked if if he's ever had fewer yards than that. Yeah, pretty wild. But again, kudos to Milro. I mean, he's he is who he is, and he's going to miss some throws. But going into Kyle Field and throwing for 321 and three TDs is big boy shit. So especially when the defense knows you can't run the ball. And that to me was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, he played well. Um, I had Iowa minus one and a half uh, at home versus Purdue. Pretty, I don't want to say easy, but because at, at, at minus one and a half, you're basically – Betting on them to win the game. Yeah. Just about. Um, They win 20 to 14. Purdue gets a score late to make it look closer than it really was. Iowa was in control for pretty much the entire game. Yeah. It was, it was a uh, comfortable victory. Uh, Another comfortable victory. And I did, this is the one I was debating on. Do I take the points or do I hit this team on the money line at plus 136? I ended up taking Nebraska plus three and a half. And I don't want to say dominated, but yeah, I would I would say dominated. I mean, I well, it's, they didn't dominate in terms of the final score, which was twenty to seven. I would tell you they should have won that game by thirty points. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a tough game to watch. I'll tell you that. Like yeah. it was fucking painful to watch. It was ugly. But you know, neither one of these teams can score any fucking points. I mean, we even talked about it on the show. Like, I feel like such a moron for not taking the under on that game. Like, I even I even text you before the game. I'm like, under. And I don't know why I didn't take it. I was so stupid. I was like, I don't know why I didn't do that. Yeah, I uh, fairly easy. And that was the first game of my picks, right? Because that was the Friday nighter. So I, I got off to a good start this week. I finished four and two. And 0-1 in the bullpen. But my last win was last night. And I don't know how much of this game you watched because it went super late. But I uh, saw I saw it up until about I don't know. About I was up and down at that point because I was feeling sick. So I think I I probably fell asleep with about seven minutes left in the fourth. Oh. And uh I was just like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm uh, going to sleep. And then I woke up and saw I went to three overtimes. So, yeah. So I was on Arizona plus 21 and a half at USC. I was banking on USC's defense to, uh, really, I was betting on them to, to allow a little backdoor cover there, but <laughs> Arizona didn't need it because they were neck and neck. The whole, they jumped out to a, a lead. USC came back. Uh, Arizona scores late to tie it. 
Uh, each team gets seven in overtime, and then in the second overtime, they both score but miss their two-point play. So USC eventually wins in three overtimes, 43 to 41. So once uh, – so USC was up 14 uh, at one point, I think maybe early in the fourth, and I just – I spent about half of the fourth quarter thinking I just need Arizona to get one more touchdown, right? Because I'm playing with such a huge margin here. Just get one more touchdown, get to seven, and then, right, these guys are going to need three scores. Uh, so about four and a half, five minutes left, I knew that this one was going to be a winner, and I just stayed up to watch the rest of the game, which went until almost, I would say right at two o'clock my mm-hmm. time. Yeah, it was about something around one o'clock. Like I say, it was around twelve thirty or something when I I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, it might have even been later than two. I was just kind of as to the point where if I finish this game, I may as well just sleep down here on the couch and not go upstairs just to save myself that that forty five seconds. But yeah, uh, really, really good game. Arizona's backup quarterback uh, played really, really well, and they've got a couple of very good receivers, uh, Cowing and McMillan. Yeah, Arizona kind of looks to me like a team that they're not going to win the Pac twelve, but they might have a say in who makes it to that championship game. Right? Yeah, they're not a them. they're not a team you want to play. They're kind of like that spoiler team. Like they're going to ruin somebody's season. Right. They're, I could just, I could see, um, I mean, they play Arizona state in the last week. So I could see, you know, week 10, week 11, I could see them maybe sneaking up and knocking someone off. And, and that, you know, is kind of like that Georgia tech game where that, you know, someone gets upset and that's what keeps them out of the conference title game. So, yeah, I mean, you, USC's playoff hopes almost evaporated on Saturday. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole different discussion. I think they would still be alive, right? They're just their their margin for error completely removed. Like they would have to win out against teams well, that's, like Washington. Well, that's, and, yeah, that's assuming that they're going to lose to Washington or Oregon, one of them at least. So right, or whoever they play in the title game. Um, yeah, I mean they they got USC end of the year. That's even that's looking like it's not a gimme because. I'm not sure that they're going to go out and put 45 points up on UCLA. Yeah. So USC, that defense boy still, still sucks. Yeah. It's, I I still think it's going to cost them a game. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, if I was Michael Penix or Bo Nix, I'd be fucking salivating. Get ready to play that defense. I think they're going to get their ass handed to them by somebody. When they run into a team that can play defense, they're screwed. Like they're going to get their ass kicked. It may may not be in the regular season, maybe in the postseason. Maybe they make the playoffs. I mean, can you imagine what a team like Georgia would do to them? I mean, it would be a complete and utter bloodbath. Yeah, who who on that team would be responsible for covering Brock Bowers? Like how many guys? If you're if you're USC, like how many guys do you feel like you need to put on him to just keep him from taking over the entire game? At least three. I mean, you need at least two on him every play, and you might need a third to like kind of lean that direction. Mm. Yeah, I mean he's tough to handle for Kentucky, who is a pretty good defense. Um, 
Yeah. Speaking of speaking of tough to handle, I'll tell you another game that I kind of regret not taking. How about mm. how about Gundy getting a fucking win at home against? That's K-State. the most Mike Gundy thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Lose to South Alabama at home by twenty, and then turn around and beat K State at home. That's great. Well, I love it. You know, we talk about the Red River game, right? Which was so one sided last year, and then yeah. You know, Oklahoma comes back this season to wins. Do you remember when Oklahoma State and Kansas State played last year? Uh, I think Kansas State destroyed them. It was an absolute blood. It was all. It was similar to the Red River game, right? Score wise. Yeah, it was like forty-five to three or something. Yeah. So, uh, b- both of those Oklahoma victims from last season, who who lost lopsided matchups, come back and and get a win against those same opponents in Week Six. So indeed, uh, and I don't know what other game. The only other game really I watched much of was Ole Miss and Arkansas. I really wasn't impressed uh, with anything. No. I had no major takeaways from that. I just I don't think Arkansas is very good. I don't think Ole Miss is very good either. I think both of them are kind of. I mean, I don't think Arkansas is good, and I think Ole Miss is sort of a fraud. But a game that we really didn't talk much about them and we mentioned it sort of in passing we we had talked about how good louisville is and we didn't know right i still don't think they're that good i i think defensively they were okay but again i i sort of blame notre dame's offensive coordinator and i still just i mean notre dame's playoff hopes are now done Mm -hmm. so i they got to go out and get an OC, man. They just they have got to get somebody who can fucking call plays. And I know they lost that game because of turnovers, and it was lopsided because of that in the fourth quarter. But I don't think Louisville – I mean, I think they'll get smoked by a team that has a quarterback. I mean, am I, am I crazy? Well, maybe, but when do they play that team? Because they're – right, the whole thing we've been talking about with them is their, their conference schedule. Yeah. When, right? They don't look, play Drake May. They don't play yeah, Jordan Travis. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like what let me look at their schedule, what they have left here. So they play they play, let's see. Okay, here we go. So they play at Pitt next week. Okay. And then they that's go then they got then they've got a three game homestand against the likes of Duke, who likely will not have Riley Leonard. Mm-hmm. And then Virginia, Virginia Tech and Virginia. Right. And then the third and fourth best teams in the state of Virginia. Yeah. And then they close the season with at Miami and home against Kentucky. So, I mean, there's a serious chance that this team is at worst 10 and two. Yeah. Like which, which game would you not pick them to win right now? I wouldn't pick them to beat Kentucky. Okay. I wouldn't either. And I think. And- at Miami might be a toss-up. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that I would pick him against Miami either. Um, I know Miami just did what they did, but yeah, I don't know. That's Miami, man. What a joke. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, mean I, I don't even penalize them. It's like they, 
they lost the game, but they shouldn't have. They should have won. It's their coach's fault that they lost the game. So yeah, I kind of look at it like the players are four and zero, and Mario is zero and one. You know what I mean? But uh, Louisville's six and zero, and I think they're going to be when they go to Miami on Saturday, November 9th, My guess is they will be at worst nine and one. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a chance, given that their quarterback play has been less than spectacular, that if they come up against a team like Duke, who can play some defense, yep. that they could struggle and lose a game. But I mean, I would, if Duke had Riley Leonard, they would be an underdog in that game, sure, uh, or or a very short favorite at best. Uh, but they'll be favored probably in all of their games. Minus maybe that Miami game, depending on how Miami's season goes from here. But, uh, and maybe Kentucky. I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, there's a good chance they're going to win double digit games, I think. Yeah, I think 10 and 2 is absolutely because Pitt's not any good. They're uh, not, but it would be the most Narduzzi thing ever to ruin yeah, their it season. Would. It would be very Gundy-like. Um, it would, yeah. I mean, you get, Narduzzi's in that same mold, man. Like, don't, as soon as you count him out, he's going to fucking hang 40 on somebody yeah. and ruin their year. So, so we'll see. I, I don't remember what I took on them. I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to make the same mistake with Louisville that I made with Miami. I'm not going to buy into them. I bought into Miami and they tanked. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part is I, I've been – so negative about Miami for so long. And then I finally start like I went out of my way to bring them up last episode about, Hey, they look like they're going to be really good. Like no one's talking about them. You know, I could see them maybe making some noise and then they go out and just lay the, a complete egg. Like even then before you, all the, the end of game sequence stuff, but then you go do something like this. Yeah. So I was, I was under eight and a half on Louisville. You took the over. Frankly, I think you're in better shape than I am on that so far. But uh, And then in terms of win total, just kind of wrap up things here for the night. In terms of win totals, um, we are both one and one. Yeah, so, we did. We clinched on uh, Rutgers yep. last week, didn't we? R- Rutgers was a win for us, and Northwestern was a loss. Northwestern got their third win of the year. We were both on under two and a half. So congratulations, yeah. I guess, for not sucking yeah. as bad as we thought. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I thought maybe there for a second in the first half that I was going to clinch my under on LSU. but uh, It was looking like it. Looks like I'm going to have to wait another couple of weeks for that. So it feels like it's coming, but yeah, yeah, that one stays in limbo for another week. Uh, Yeah, North Northwestern uh, beats Howard twenty three to twenty at home uh, to get that elusive third victory. Looking at their schedule, I don't think they win another game, but probably probably not. So uh, I was I was not banking on them beating Minnesota on the road. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) beating Minnesota at home uh, yeah. period where, wherever on the moon. I don't care. <laughs> should not have won that game, but um, they did. So they got their three wins. Congratulations. Yeah. To them. yeah. I should have taken Michigan to thump Minnesota after they lost to Northwestern. I don't know what the hell I was thinking yeah. there. Cause they beat them like 50 to 10 or something and just killed them. But <laughs> Well, I mean, that's not all give me because part of the reason I took Miami is because Georgia tech just got done getting housed by Bowling Green. 
you know, and here we are. Uh, yeah. Boy, Georgia Tech, they've ruined your, they've ruined a couple of weeks for you the last couple of years, man. Yeah. You just need to stay away from games I involved might. with Georgia Tech. That's uh, what Brent Key's becoming like the Herm Edwards for you. He's like, well, before him, it was, yeah, before him, it, it's not just Brent Key, it, it's Georgia Tech, right? Because when Jeff Collins was there, it was, oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, God, they're you know they're three and nine or three and nine last year, and they're you know two and five this season or whatever. And yeah, North Carolina's looking good. Sam Howell's having a great season. They're going to go out there, and they got just capital W wrecked. <laughs> um, I forgot about that game. I picked. So I picked. So that's three. Is that three years in a row that Georgia Tech has burned you? Because I know that. Uh, yeah, they went this up is there. three years in a row now. Yeah, they beat Narduzzi last year. That was, yeah, and then last year uh, they let the coach go. I'm like, oh yeah, Pitt is only a you know whatever it was. It was probably like thirteen and a half or twelve and a half. Yeah, actually, I think it was more than that. Um, now that I think about it, um, but go yeah. on the road four days after they fire the coach and get a road conference win, the first of two, if I remember right. Um, let me look now because yeah, my dog on camera here. He's just beside himself. Oh yeah. The Fredster, the road warrior. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's been, been good this week. He's been, he's all out of sorts right now. He's just like, why are you sitting here talking into a microphone? Cause I'm usually on the road when I'm doing this, you know, he doesn't understand why I'm talking to myself right now, but something I wanted to ask you while you're looking that stuff up. Uh, yeah, so, well, hold on. yeah, here, I, real oh, quick. Oh, you got it? I okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, they ahead. went on the road uh, after they fired Jeff Collins last season. They went mm-hmm. on the road to Pitt and won as 24 point underdogs. Oh, my God. And they won, I believe, by nine. Oh, so, geez. yeah, I'm done with Georgia Tech. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did. Or maybe I'm just that. done. Maybe I'm just done fading them. Uh, yeah. I also caught a bad beat on them last year in the Clemson game uh, because. They went over when Clemson put in the backups. Uh, oh yeah, towards the end of the game. That's right. Damn man, yeah. You need to stay away from Georgia Tech yep. games. Mm, yeah, of, of all the schools. Yeah, yeah. So something I wanted to run by you, updating sort of. Not we, we don't have to update our power ratings because I'm sure we could do that tomorrow or next week. I think we're due for that next week, but uh, or yeah, probably next. Yeah, because we did it, well, we did it after week four, so I think it'll be week eight where we'll do it, um, first week of the playoff. Yeah, I think we had said we were going to do it when the playoff rankings come out, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but just a power ratings sort of note here. If Oklahoma and Texas played again tomorrow, yep. would you take Oklahoma to win? Um, Would I take them to win? Like outright? Yeah. Yeah, would you pick Oklahoma? At- Probably not, because if that game was played tomorrow in the Cotton Bowl, right, neutral field, mm-hmm. uh, I think Texas would be a similar favorite to what they were this past weekend, which is like five and a half or six and a half points, right? Mm-hmm. So no, I wouldn't yeah. pick Oklahoma to win outright. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I think I would just straight I think, up. I think doing that would be an overreaction to the things that aren't necessarily repeatable, like – goal line stands and turnovers mm-hmm. or the quarterback rushing for a buck 20. Yeah. 
So I, I, I think agree. we will get the rematch. I mean, we'll find out in a month and a half. Yeah, because nobody else in the Big 12 is worth a shit. I mean, that's just it. Nobody else is any good. So poor Big 12, man. I was hoping that we would see sort of like what we saw last year with Kansas State and PCU being really good. And I thought, you know, I was kind of hoping that we would see sort of another team take that next step and mm-hmm. become good. But now, man, it's looking sort of like it was in 2021 when it was announced that Texas and OU were leaving. It's like, fuck, man, the Big 12's not going to be any good. So, yeah, William, you got a lot of team like, you know, Baylor struggling, Texas, to all the usual suspects for who would be that next team, right? Even mm-hmm. aside from the four new guys who none of whom are very good. Yeah. Um, so and then, as far as a couple of other conferences, I'm not going to mention Oregon and Washington because that they play this coming week and we'll, we'll discuss that Tuesday, but um, it's looking like Kirby and Saban again. It's looking like it. Yeah. SEC coming into the year looked, particularly in the West, I think looked more wide open than it probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alabama's got the LSU game, which looks a lot less daunting than it did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and they've got they get, Tennessee. In they get Tennessee at home, which also probably looks a little less daunting than it did at the beginning of the season. Tennessee hasn't really shown me anything that makes me think that they have a great shot to go into Tuscaloosa and win. No, no. So, so I, I don't know, man. There's a, they're definitely susceptible to getting beat. Bama is because Milro, like you've said, man, when he makes a mistake, it's just like, damn, it's usually a terrible mistake. But uh, I think he's getting better every week. But they're definitely susceptible to getting beat by somebody that they're not supposed to because he makes mistakes. So. It'll just it'll take a perfect storm of an, a, a team playing perfect and Milrow making some mistakes, kind of like the Texas game where you know he had the god awful interception. And Texas pretty much played perfect all night, and didn't make any mistakes. So yeah, and caught a couple of lucky breaks. I mean, that's, yeah, that's and, really what it comes down to is you, you when you're playing a you know a a Georgia or Michigan or Alabama, like you have to play well. You need them to make mistakes that you can capitalize. And then you need the couple of things to go your way, right? Like that when Ewers fumbled that snap on the fourth down play and the running back picked it up and went around the head and converted it. Crazy, crazy like you shit. Need, you need a lucky bounce, right? You maybe, yeah. hate to say it, but you maybe need a missed call here or there, right? Yeah, or you a, need a, a borderline call to go your way. Yeah, you need a blindside block to get to catch your under. <laughs> sure, yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, man, I'm glad that, you know, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take I've it. had I've had more than enough breaks not go my way this year to to feel guilty. You know, I guess I shouldn't be mad because you have just been a victim of some bad fucking beats. So the fact that you got a call there that went your way and ended up getting a win there, good for you. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's kind of what it's looking like is Bama, Georgia, and uh, Georgia, man. Like final note on them, like they all the talk about slow starts and they don't look dominant yep. and they don't this, they don't that they show up and they remind everybody, Hey, we're still the fucking best. And yeah, no, and it's, it's no easy nobody to, can beat us. 
it's easy to kind of fall into that. Um, so I, after week one, um, I wrote a column for the site, uh, about, you know, some overreactions that I had seen kind of floating around the, the college football sphere after one week, um, many of which I thought were stupid and kind of the, the theme of it was like, it's one game, like don't draw any meaningful conclusions from one game, particularly not the first game of the season. And I, uh, kind of updated that the other day, um, at the end of the week last week with all those same topics, like, Hey, now that we had a month or five weeks to let some of this stuff marinate, um, you know, we're, what, what do those week one reactions look like now? And some of them, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia was one, right? Because after their, their first game against UT Martin, where they did not look great on offense in the first half. And uh, what I kind of realized looking into their season so far, comparing it to last year in particular, same stuff, mm-hmm. same stuff as last season, right? Um, they had a couple of pushover games that they didn't look great in on offense. They went to Missouri and almost lost. And then, that was kind of their wake-up call, I guess. Uh, they got really into the meet of conference play, and then they beat everyone else by double digits up until the Ohio State game. So yeah. we may see that again this year, right? They're they're going to be double-digit favorites against everyone they play, except maybe at Tennessee. Yeah, in which I would put them somewhere around nine and a half. Yeah, and then it, that even that's not a given either, um, you know, unless Tennessee picks up a little bit, but. Yeah, I could see eight and a half or nine and a half on that one. And mm-hmm. I'd probably take Georgia. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially if the if they can get the run game going, which they still have not yet this year. But the quarterback looks very good. And if you have a good quarterback in this league and play good defense, I don't think the defense is as good as it's been either of the last two years. Well, that's something we talked about with Georgia earlier in the season was – Carson Beck being an upgrade from Stetson Bennett. And thus far this season. Yeah. In some ways he, he is, in some ways he's not. Uh, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Like so far this season, like you could argue that the play is probably a little elevated, but the leadership and kind of command of the offense is not there the same as, you know, the mailman had late in his career. But. Fuck the mailman was there for so long. I mean, Jesus. Right. And, well, and, and that's uh, that's the dude's forced five starts in his into his career. You know, so I, yeah. I kind of and it's not the greatest comparison either because when Stetson no. Bennett, you know, in his first five or six starts, yeah, that's he was what not I'm, the beloved character no. uh, that he became. Right. So he, I think Carson Beck will be fine. It's just if if Georgia loses, I think it might be because they're not quite as good up front on defense as they have mm-hmm. been. Yeah. And they, I mean, at one point Beck was, uh, I think he started like 10 for 10 for a buck 40 and a TD. I mean, the dude was just lighting up Kentucky. So yeah, Kentucky was never in that game. And Georgia reminded everybody that, Hey, we're still the fucking best. So Brock Bowers, <laughs> what else can you say about the dude? He's like, He's the best player in football, I think. Give that man the Heisman because nobody is more valuable to a team than him. Yeah, yes. this is about the time of year when we've started talking Heisman and, and Pat, which was always earlier than I liked because 
week six, you're just starting to get into the thick of conference play. And mm-hmm. a lot of teams really haven't played like Michigan. <laughs> Who have they played like to, to make you? They play two teams this year, Penn State and Ohio State. Right. But I'm saying until then, you don't really know. Um, some teams no. have played a tougher schedule, but most have not. So I think it'd be a much more informed decision on how that might shake out after like week nine. Indeed. So maybe we'll revisit it then. But uh, week eight, I believe, is what we said when playoff rankings come out. And we'll do probably yeah, we'll, power rankings and maybe an early Heisman look then. Yeah. And we're due to, uh, we're, I think next week, if I had, I had it written down somewhere, I think I was going to have us update the coaching hot seat rankings uh mid season here. We're getting to about week seven. So that's that's about the halfway point here. So figured maybe we could take a look at our preseason hot seat list and see how they're doing and uh see what we missed and what we kind of uh hit on. I, I think we've only got one one guy on the list, right? Yeah. I mean who's been fired thus far that was on well, our list? Fitzgerald. You had Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, yeah. I had Fitzy, so I'm I'm one and zero there. But that <laughs> that was that a proposed circumstance, but, right? Yeah, but, that's kind. Of, there's kind of an asterisk next to that one because that was, um, wasn't a poor performance, even though it should have been. Yeah, uh, same thing with Mel. Uh, but I don't think either of us had. I didn't have Mel. Did you have Mel? No, I left I him off because of the contract. I think I might have put him in the honorable mention uh, section. I th- yeah, I, I want to say I had him in the honorable mention section because of the contract and the way last year went. And right. I'm almost positive. I had him an honorable mention. I'd have to go back and check that. But, but yeah, we can update that next week. Yeah. Or at least take a look and see how, if we're, if we need to back off any of those, like uh, what, what else do you need to see from Jeff Halfley before you let the guy go? I mean, what else do you need to see? I, I don't get it. Uh, I would need to see when their bye week is. <laughs> That's fair. That's the only thing I'm waiting on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Halfley, uh, Tom Allen, Indiana was my number one. They're bad. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we'll, we'll go in depth on how we feel all about all those. See if we're ready to take anyone off. Um, Yeah. Last year. uh, I think we all had Mike Norvell as some former fan. I I had him lower than you guys, but he was on my list, but I think he was number two for me. Yeah. but I think by the time we revisited in week seven or eight or whatever, everyone was ready to take yeah. him off. So yeah, we'll yeah. see if we uh, have anyone getting off of double secret probation this coming week. Uh, my mm-hmm. guess is no, without sitting down and looking at each list. But we'll we'll find out. So yeah. until then, we will be back here on probably Tuesday night. I think is what we're leaning towards. Yeah, and we will be previewing. Uh, week seven's slate, which I actually haven't really looked at much. So we'll see if there's any games we like. We'll come out with our, uh, our picks for the week. I'm clawing my way back towards 500. Um, I've had a brutal month, but I'm up to 14 and 20. Jason, you're just ahead of me at 16 and 22. After this week's bloodbath, uh, you've <laughs> fallen under the 500. I went from, yeah, I went from 500 to way below 500 yeah. in one week. So, bad. We'll I gotta get back to can... the. I gotta get back to the basics. <laughs> yep, yeah, the basics being James Madison and Liberty. Um, yeah. So, 
we'll be back Tuesday night with that. Hopefully we'll have some some better picks uh, <laughs> than we have had the last couple of weeks. And until then, you can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. You can find Jason at Jason Bailey 47 And you can find me at Eric Mulher, uh, spelled just like it sounds. And we will talk to you guys later. Stay safe and have a great week. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.